right, thank you, Brother Sammy. We're looking uh, tonight at, uh, well, we're looking at a lot of Scripture tonight, but uh, the main part that we're going to be focused on tonight is uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. So if you want to put a bookmark there, we'll be back to that in 1 Kings chapter 18, and then James chapter 5. But before we do that, I, I want us to be able to look at a couple of things Number one, the title of this lesson tonight is Praying the Will of God by Knowing the Word of God. And we talked a little bit about this. Jimmy got me all excited last week because he mentioned the one verse that we're going to end with tonight, and I want to save that. But uh, uh, 2 Peter 3.9, we're going to be looking at that as we, as we end. But... Um, All the way through the Bible, you, you especially especially in the in the Gospels, when Jesus is uh, is living his life here on, on earth, and we the main focus is always on what God is doing. If you remember, uh, if you'll remember the study on experiencing God. Raise your hand if you went through that, if you've gone through experiencing God. If you remember God, remember how that thing starts? God is always at work. And, and so many people try to figure out, so many people try to figure out what's God's will in my life. And I always ask myself that question. What's God's will in my life? And what I need to do is, and I've, I really like that study, Henry Blackaby says, well, just find out what God's doing and get involved in it. And, and that's our focus on, on with prayer is to find out what God's will is. And if we pray in God's will, he's going, he's, he said that he's going to answer that. Um, so tonight in looking at this in this study on prayer, praying the will of God by knowing the word of God. So it's always good to be able to know what God's word says because we can kind of focus and we can kind of uh, we can kind of see our path because we know what God's word says. Psalm one nineteen one hundred five says, "Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path." Your word, so His word tells us what what the path is. Um, Isaiah eight twenty says, "Go to God's instruction and testimony." If they do not speak according to his word, there will be no dawn for them. This is talking about Israel and about what was about to happen to them. They were about to be destroyed and, and, uh, and overtaken. And they had, the reason that they were in the position that they were in was because they had walked away from God and they were worshiping other, they were worshiping other gods, they were worshiping idols. They, I mean, it was anything goes. The word of Christ came to Paul. At multiple times, giving him clear direction. I want you to think about this for just a minute. But Paul had really had an all-star mission team helping him set up in the Corinthian church. But they had opposition from the Jews. It seemed that every time that Paul would go to another city in in the Book of Acts, he would go to another city. He would it, he would always go to the synagogue and start there. He would start with the Jews, and he would start preaching. And first thing he would do is. And if you'll, if you'll read this in the book of Acts, over and over it says that he'd reason with the Jews, or Jewish people, the, the leaders of the, of the synagogue. And uh, 
some of them would would agree with him and, and sit down and look. Not many, but but most of them got mad and they they wind up throwing him out. But he had he had an all star team here, and uh, God was was directing him in everything that he said. One thing, if you've got a uh, if you've got a book that has Jesus' words in, in red, there's there's several instances where Jesus' words were in red in the book of Acts all the way through it. Even though Jesus had already ascended to the Father, those words were in red. And so, and, and what it is, it's Jesus speaking to Paul in a vision. In Acts 18, 9 through 11, he got this vision. Paul got this vision from, from Christ. And it was always the thing that Paul was sharing the gospel, he was preaching the gospel, and he was discipling people. And a lot of times, for us being able to look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know Paul was doing the right thing. But if you're in the middle of doing this, you're always wondering, am I doing the right thing? And Paul was always doing the right thing because he was allowing God to be able to lead him. Acts 18, 9 through 11 says, The Lord said to Paul in a night vision, Don't be afraid, but keep on speaking and don't be silent. For I am with you, and no one will lay a hand on you or hurt you, because I have many people in this city. He stayed there for a year and a half and teaching the word of God among them. So he was, he was there for, for quite some time. Now, we know what God's word is, right? Did Paul, Paul, at that point, he had captured the word of God in a vision. Stay. I've got people here. Nobody's going you preach the word. That's what he said to Paul. You preach the word. So Paul knew right then. So in, in his prayer time, what do you think Paul prayed? What, what was his prayer? His prayer was, God, help me to be able to, to reach. You know, I, I mean, you know, because Paul wound up reaching thousands and thousands, probably millions of people. And, but he knew what he was doing, and that's what he prayed for. Paul used this political strategy to get out of a mess in the Sanhedrin court. And, uh, and then Jesus gives him direction again. This is on over in Acts 23, 10 through 11. When the dispute came, became violent, now he had been basically arrested uh, by the Jews in Jerusalem. And, uh, and he t- <laughs> what he started, so there were, there were Pharisees and there were Sadducees. And I won't get on this a whole lot, but it's a funny little story. So, so they, they, they had him, and, and they were basically questioning him while he was captured. And so the Pharisees and the Sadducees were in there, and one of those groups believed big time in resurrection. Remember which one it was? The Pharisees believed in resurrection. And one of those groups believed big time in no resurrection. And it was the other group, the Sadducees. And Paul brings, all he has to do is mention resurrection and being able to share the gospel. And that was all it took. The Sadducees and the Pharisees started fighting with each other and Paul got, he got, he got out of that. But he, he said this in, or in Acts 23, 10 through 11 says, When the dispute became violent, the commander feared that Paul might be torn apart by them and ordered the troops to go down and take him away uh, from them and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Have courage, for as you have testified 
about me in Jerusalem, so it is necessary for you to testify in Rome. So, again, there's clear direction to Paul about what he's going to be doing. So at that point, you think Paul, if Paul prayed a prayer about, about going to, to Rome, prayer's answered. Because that was, he, was in this, he was in the will of God. So when you're, when you're thinking in terms, and, and all of those didn't have a lot to do with prayer about this, although there was prayer, and I'm, I don't want to get in, in Acts and just stay in there tonight because I probably could. But as far as looking at this, Paul prayed in alliance with God's Word, and then he moved in that direction. We need to know what God's Word is to pray in God's will. I'll say that again. We need to know what God's Word is to pray in God's will. It's critical for us to know and follow and expect God's Word in our life, and then it enables us to pray in His Word. So what I want us to do tonight is to be able to look, um, really, and you probably, you've got, maybe you've got this outline uh, with you tonight, but um, I want us to be able to look at one of Elijah's finest moments, and this is, this may be my, well, I know it's my favorite Elijah moment. I, I, don't, I don't know, I, and I love the part where he, you know, he calls fire down from heaven. That's, that's always usually everybody's favorite Elijah moment. But mine, mine is this one tonight. And for us, to, for us to really to be able to know God's will, number one, it's critical to know God's word for effective prayer. Uh, turn to... If you haven't already done this, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17 and 1 through 3. And before you do that, I, let's kind of set the stage here just a little bit. Ahab is now king in Jerusalem, and Elijah is, is the prophet now, and, he, and he's kind of come forward, Elijah has. And Ahab takes Israel, he, he takes them completely completely the wrong way they're they're worshiping Baal they're I mean it's 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 horrible and Ahab is the king of course he's not supposed to do that so what happens is Elijah prays that it won't rain for three and a half years for three and a half years he prays that it won't rain well why did he do that and that was all that's always kind of well, how, how did he know that God was going to answer that prayer? Because that's, that's a pretty big ask, is it not? It, hey, I'm going to pray, and God's going to answer this prayer, and I have no doubt about it. Well, Elijah knew what the Word of God says, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I want us to be able to look first at, at 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1 through 3. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Gilead uh, the Gilead settler said to Ahab, so he's talking to Ahab, the king, as the Lord of God Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. And then the word of the Lord came to him, and he, he said, Leave there, turn eastward, and hide it at Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. And that Wadi means brook. I had to ask Kyle what that word meant. I texted Kyle, I don't know where he went to, but I texted him. I said, you know what Wadi means? W-A-D-I. And I said, and don't, 
look it up. I said, don't Google it. I'm texting him this. I said, don't Google it, preacher's son. I said, I, you, you tell me if you, know, if you know what this... Of course, he comes back later on with a laughing face. He said, yeah, I'd heard that before. And I'm like, yeah. But it means brook. All it means is brook or a stream. That's, that's what it's talking about. But what I want you to focus on is what he told Ahab. Now, he told Ahab this before he prayed and before the drought started. <laughs> he said... As the Lord of God Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except at my command. In other words, I'm going to pray that it stops raining, and it's not going to rain until I pray again and ask God to bring the rain. It's not going to. So what made him so confident that he could do this? Well, how did he know that there would be no rain? Deuteronomy, and you don't have to go here, I think y'all got this on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 13 through 17. says, if you carefully, this is talk, God talking to Israel at this point. Uh, he says, if you carefully obey my commands, I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and worship him with all your heart and all your soul, I will provide rain for you and your land in the proper time, in the autumn and the spring rains and and you will harvest your grain, your new wine and, and fresh oil. And I will provide grass in your fields for your livestock. You will eat and be satisfied. Be careful that you're, that you're not enticed to turn aside and serve and bow and worship to other gods. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut the sky and there will be no rain. The land will not yield its produce and you will perish quickly from the good land that the Lord is giving you. Now that's, there, there's what God's Word says. So if you go back and you think, well, they don't have all of this Bible, like, like we've got it all together, they just had scrolls. Elijah had what we would call the book of Deuteronomy. So all you got to do is study the book of Deuteronomy and know that if, that if we get, if, if if we get sideways as Israel, you know, if we get sideways and we start worshiping, we, we start worshiping Baal and we start worshiping other gods, this is possibility it's going to happen. So Elijah knew what God's word was. So he was pretty confident that, that they were sideways. Listen, listen to this. First Kings, if you want to just look, turn back one page, First Kings chapter 16, verse 29 through 34 says, Ahab, son of Omri became king over Israel in the 38th year of uh, Judas. Uh, king Asa, Ahab, son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, or in, in the Lord's sight, more than all who were before him. Then, as if it was following, as if following the sin of Jeroboam, uh, Jeroboam uh, son of Nebat, were not enough, he married Jezebel the daughter of Ithbel, king of the Sidonians. In other words, he married, he married a, a, a Gentile and then proceeded to serve Baal and bow and worship him. Now, who was doing this? This Jewish king that knew better, <laughs> he was bowing to Baal in worship and he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole. Ahab did more to anger the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. 
during his reign, how the uh, Bethelite built Jericho at the cost of uh, Abiram, his uh, firstborn, and he laid its foundation at the cost of Segeb, his youngest, and he finished its gates according to the word of the Lord had spoken through Joshua, son of Nun. They were told not to rebuild rebuild Jericho. And they, they did it, it seems to be they did it almost in spite of what, of what God's word was to begin with. It was, almost, it was almost like he was trying to anger God. And, and I mean, you think about this, it, it's almost the same as it is today, isn't it? I mean, you look and you see where we're going as a country, it almost looks like we're trying to anger God in everything that we're doing. So... They were, in this, they were in this same situation. They were, they were worshiping idols. They were worshiping other gods, and, and they were not supposed to. And Elijah knew that. Elijah knew what God's Word said, and he prayed. So when did the drought start? It started when he prayed, and it didn't start until he prayed. So could God have started the drought prior to him praying? You ever thought about that? Could God, could God have started that drought? But he didn't start it until Elijah prayed. And Elijah prayed because he knew what the Word of God says. He knew that God would do it. Because why? That's what the Word of God said. That, see, it's getting pretty easy at this point, right? And so, so if we understand and we know what God's Word says, then it, then it helps us in being able to pray and and in God's Word, and to pray in His will if we know what His Word says. Um, I've heard, I don't know, maybe Brother Sammy, I've heard you, I've heard somebody say this, and I, you know, there's, there's certain things in the Bible that, I, you know, is it, it's wrong to, let's just take one extreme. So it's wrong to murder somebody, right? Adultery is wrong. Do you, well, I, do, I, I really need to pray about this. I'm going to step outside of my marriage here and have this adulterous affair, but I'm going to pray about this, and I'm going to ask God, is this the right thing to do? That's wrong theology altogether. You know, that's one of those things that you don't have to pray about because you know what God's Word is. And it's, it's kind of the same thing. Once we know the direction of what God's Word is, Jimmy, you still got your verse on you? The one we talked about the other night. <laughs> Come back to it. I, I, <laughs> I know, I love doing that. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. We'll, we'll come back to it. Second Peter 3, 9. I'm going to let you read that. I'm going to let you just, yeah, you just need to kick start there. Yeah, exactly. So, so when, we, when we pray, well, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I, I want us to be able to see that God's Word, that we can find out what God's will is, by finding out what God's word is, and then we can pray in the will of God. When Jesus tells us, and we've already covered all this, I'm not going to go back and recover it, but Jesus tells us that we need to pray in the will of God. We need to pray in the direction of where He's working. So number one is number one is uh, it's critical for us to know the, know God's word for effective prayer. Number two, it's critical for us to follow God's Word for effective prayer. Look at James chapter 16. James chapter 16, and we're going to just start because I don't want to get, I don't want to get bogged down into something else that 
I'm not wanting to talk about tonight. Don't have time to. I'd love to, but James chapter 5, and the end of verse 16, starting there, says the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Think about that for just a minute. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. What is, let me ask you this, what is effective prayer? That, it says effective, yeah, well, maybe some of your Bibles, that translation might, but what, what, is, what is effective prayer? That's prior to what, but effective prayer is really you're thinking about the results that's the end result. The end result, an effective, if it was an effective prayer, it means that the result of what I was praying for was answered. Right? That was an effective prayer. So, what causes effective prayer? According to what this verse here says. The, the prayer of a what? Righteous person. So we know that we need to be, we know that we need to be right with God when we're praying. Uh, I'm, I'm not telling you that you've got to live a perfect life to pray. Don't hear me wrong in saying that. You need to be able to pray, especially if you're not living a pure life. Man, you need to, you need to pray that God would intervene there. But what I'm talking about here is a, is a righteous prayer. Is that you're, you're doing, as far as you know, you're doing everything that you can do that what God wants you to do. You're living life. You're living a pure life. This is, this is what a righteous person is. So when we, think about, when we think about Elijah, was he something extraordinary? Was he, was he an extraordinary person? Would you say that Elijah is an extraordinary person? <laughs> he has the nature. He's just dude just like us. That's exactly what. She's... I don't know. She's smart. I, I, I just, you know. What was, that, what was that Philip asked me when we come in here? How far I had to chase her down to get her to marry me or something like that. And I tripped her. It's <laughs> the only way I could do it. But, no, I mean, it, he was just like us. If you look at verse 17, it says, Elijah was a human being, as we are. And he prayed, but he, he was... He was he was what? Righteous. He was right with God. He had, an effect, he had effective prayer. This, this prayer that we're talking about right now, that's what James is talking about. This prayer where, where, where Elijah said, no more rain. This is the prayer that he's talking about over here in the New Testament. He says, Elijah was a human being just as we are, and he prayed earnestly. And that means with passion. That it would not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the land. In verse 18, and he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. So God's blessing that, that would come, which was in the form of rain, to be able to do this. You know, there was a lot of stuff that happened in between the time of when Elijah prayed for it not to rain, and then he prayed for it to rain. This happened... This, this where he prayed for it to rain again happened on the heels of this, this, this thing with, with the, uh, 
the prophets of Baal where, where God, you know, where Elijah called fire down from heaven and it, you know, you know the story. It happened right after that. But it's critical for us to be able to follow God's word for effective prayer. We, we need to be able to know what God's word is, but then also follow God's word. You see that, you see that Elijah followed God's word because he was, he was praying exactly in the will of God. And he was a righteous. He was, right, he was righteous. So we need to be able to follow God's word. Number three, it's critical for us to expect God's word for effective prayer. Now we go back to last week. We, we, were talk, we talked last week about having faith. When we pray and we pray in faith, do we expect... When we pray in God's will, when we, when we know what His Word says, and we pray in, in along, in, in along those same lines, do we expect an answer? Do we expect God, God to answer this? We should. Elijah absolutely expected when he, when he prayed for it to stop raining, he absolutely 100% expected no more rain. And it was no more rain. And then again, when he prayed for it to rain, he absolutely expected what? Rain. He expected God to answer his prayer because he was praying by knowing what the God, Word of God was and he was praying because he was following what God's Word said and now he's expecting God to be able to answer this prayer. Look at 1 Kings chapter 18. Verse 36, we're just going to read through 36 through 46. And this is, this is my favorite part of this whole story. So I apologize up front if I get excited up here. But this is right after, right after God, you know, fire comes down from heaven and, and, the, and the altars, you know, and all the water. You remember all the water that they poured out all over this altar and it, ran off the altar and the sacrifice and it ran off in the ditches and it I mean it was just absolutely soaked and 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 fire come down from heaven. They wind up executing all the all the prophets of Baal and then there stood Ahab. <laughs> and then Brother Sammy preached on this not too long ago. This was the same time when Elijah says, How long are you gonna go from side to side? You know, how long are you gonna are you going to say that you're going to worship God? And how long are you going to worship these, these idols? And how long are you going to worship Baal? You're going, you're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This is when all, what all this was. So here at the end of all this, it looks, like, it looks like revival has happened. And the people are happy because rain's coming, right? <laughs> Rain doesn't come until Elijah says it's coming, until he prays. For it, to, it doesn't. It doesn't just doesn't just happen. Then Elijah said to Ahab. So now, now he's listening to him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? After the whole prophets of Baal thing, he's listening to him. And Elijah said to Ahab, "Go get something to eat and drink." And I love this next part. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Uh, God is about to answer a prayer about this rain so Ahab went to eat and drink but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees now there's a lot of question about when we pray 
How should we pray? We stand and pray? Do we sit and pray? Do we kneel and pray? Do we, you know, and Elijah, it says that he was low to the ground and he, and he had his, and it doesn't say that he was on his knees, but it just says that he was low to the ground and he, and he had his face between his knees and was just, and he was praying. He was praying that way. I've never heard, I've never heard anybody, I've never seen anybody in here pray that way. I've seen some of you pray, and I've never seen anybody in that. And that's a prayer stance right there, though. So he was, he was praying, and it says that uh, in verse 43, then, his, then he said to his servant, go and look toward the sea. So Elijah's there, he's praying, and he gets up from his prayer, and he, and he looks at his servant, and he says, now go, go look at the sea. I, I, see if you can see the rain. And the servant went and looked and returned to Elijah, and he said, I didn't see anything. And seven times Elijah told him to go look. And finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a little cloud. Just, <laughs> you know, he's looking off the side of that mountain over, over the sea, and he says, I, I, I saw just a little cloud. Just your clear day. And it's been a clear day for three and a half years. And the servant says, I see a cloud coming. But it's just a little cloud. It's almost like when Jesus fed the 5,000. You know, I just got some kid back here with a couple of fish and some bread. And what, you know, what is that? But, but Elijah, Elijah says this. He says, he says, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry! Hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb on your chariot and go back home. If you, didn't, if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. <laughs> now, he's, he's pulling all this from just seeing, seeing this, this little small cloud out there. And he says, and hurry, because if you don't, this, this is going to be a flood. You are not going to be able to make it. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly. For Jezreel, and the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. And <laughs> Brother Samuel, you like this part of it, you know, the preacher. <laughs> you never think about a preacher doing this, I guess, but um, the preacher, and he, and he tucked his cloak into his belt. <laughs> Can you tuck your cloak into your belt? But Elijah tucked his cloak into his belt. And he took off running. It says here, it says he tucked his cloak in his belt and he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. You know how far that is? I, I imagine there's only one person, well, maybe two people now, that could run this far. Jennifer and Gina that's in here anyway. I know me and Terry can't do it. But this is about 15 miles. And the preacher here, Elijah, <laughs> he's got, this is an old guy he's an old guy at this point and, and but it says that God gave him God gave him special strength and Elijah put put that cloak in in other words he he gathered up where he could run and he ran and he ran ahead of the horses <laughs> so not only not only you know you talk to Gina and Jennifer about running and they're going to pace themselves. I mean, they're, they're running, and they're, they might run a long way, but they're pacing themselves. Elijah took off, and he ran in front of the, the child. I love that story. I just, 
I think I just like the whole part about an old man being able to run 15 miles, sprint 15 miles ahead of the horses. Well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just thinking. I, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we are to know God's Word because you, God's man. That's, that's why. We are to know God's Word and then follow God's Word and fully expect God to do what He says He'll do. We're, we're to know what God's Word says. I, I want to I end this tonight with with testimony. And I, I won't give you all my testimony, but I'll, I'll give you just, just a little bit of it. Uh, and some of you have heard my testimony before, but we were, I was raised, all of my life really, I was raised in, in a denomination multiple denominations, but a denomination that I could lose my salvation, that I could get saved, but I could lose my salvation, which is not theologically correct. If you're saved, if you're truly, genuinely saved, you are always saved. If if you're truly, genuinely saved, you're always saved. Amen. Right? Uh, So, so y'all are in the same... So, but I didn't believe that until... 23 years ago, God showed me that in Scripture. Long story short, I was to be, I was leading music at the church we were in. I was set aside to be a deacon. I was teaching on Sunday morning in Sunday school, and I was teaching on Wednesday nights, adults, and I had another group that I was teaching too, uh, periodically, that were that were kind of young adults, but... Um, God showed me that that my salvation is secure, but that went against the denomination where we were. That that went against that that church. Um, this thing goes back and forth, and I I get I get a call uh, from the pastor and and the deacons. They want to talk to me because. <laughs> Man, they're, in just a few weeks, they're about to ordain this dude as a deacon. And so we, we go down in the basement of, of that church, and I'm sitting down there with a whole group of deacons and the pastor, and they're just pummeling me with questions about why I'm, I'm believing this. And finally, I just told them, I said, and they want to know, well, who, who told you that? Who, who? And I, so finally I said, fellas, look, I love y'all, and I, and I still do. I think I, could, I would do anything for any of those guys now, and I really think they'd do anything for me now. But, and, they, and they really, they handled it the right way. They, but anyway, so I told them, I said, fellas, look, God showed me this. It wasn't anybody else, but God showed me this. And I am absolutely 100% sure of my belief in this. And they said, well, and the pastor says, well, in that case, we don't think you ought to be ordained as a deacon. And I said, okay. Um, kind of thought that was coming, you know. And they said, and two, we don't think you need to be teaching classes at all because, you know, your belief is different than ours. And I said, well, okay. I said, uh, I understand that too. I said, this is not anything against y'all. I said, but I know that God has has gifted me to teach and I'm going to have to teach somewhere if I can't teach here 
we're going to go somewhere that I'll be able to teach, that God will use me and, and, and allow me to be able to teach. And they, we hugged necks, shook hands, and that was that. So I walk up the stairs, <laughs> stopped a couple of times because I just, I mean, I, I, I was, basically I was raised in that church too. She was raised from a little small kid. And we, we started dating when I was 17. And I started immediately to that church. So I'd been there, I was in my 30s. And, uh, and then I stopped and I thought, hey, what's Gina going? <laughs> Gina's sitting out in the car and I hadn't even talked to her about any of this. <laughs> she, her whole family's in this church. She, this is all she's ever known. Now I've moved around a lot. It was, I didn't want to go, but I'd moved around a lot as a kid so I was used to moving but she's not used to moving and uh, especially churches she still don't like to move church <laughs> so so I stopped and I and I thought man what in the world am I going to do and 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 I, so I just kept walking I kept walking you go you walk from back those that downstairs basement and I walked and I got to the pews I got to the pews and I just stopped and I prayed and I said God, I don't know how I'm going to talk to my wife about this, but I just told them that we're leaving. And I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> I, may be, I may be needing a divorce lawyer or something here. You know, I don't, I don't know. And, uh, but I said, God, I need you to work this out. So as slow as I could walk to the car, because I was dreading going, so, I, you know, she's out there in the parking lot waiting on me. And so I get in the car, and she said, well, how'd it go? And I said, well, it didn't go too good. <laughs> and she said, well, what? And I said, well, they don't want me to be a deacon. And we'd already discussed that. And she said, well, you know, we already kind of knew that that was going to be the case. And then I said, but they don't want me to teach anymore. Just tell you what God does <laughs> in a short amount of time. She said, I guess we'll have to find somewhere else to go to church. <laughs> like that. And I just thank God. Not because I wanted to leave, but I, I knew, I knew what God's word said. And I prayed in along the lines of what God was what I could tell that God was doing. And I just, I hope and prayed that He was going to answer that, answer that prayer when I, when I got out to the car and He answered that prayer. Now we go, through, we go through times in our life like that and we know, if we know what God's Word said, I knew what God's Word said. I still know what God's Word says about this and I will fight somebody tooth and nail about eternal security. But she will too. We know what God's Word says. And we pray along those same lines. And then we read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where he says, The Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. 
This tells me right here that God doesn't want anybody. Am I reading that wrong? Because I, I looked, Kyle, I looked at, I was going to get you to put every translation up there that we could put up there. But all of them say the same thing. God doesn't want anybody to perish. And he says, but he wants all to come to repentance. Jimmy, that's good. You don't even have to read that because I read it for you. I'm sorry. But that's good because now we know what God's word says and we can pray in that direction. Now my question is this. Why don't we? Why, why are we... I talked with the preacher about this today. Why, you know, we're, we're so... I think maybe we, maybe we just... We, we come to church and we, and we check that box and we, and we just we get into this rut... Of, of what we're doing and and i know church leaders they you know we've got so much that we're responsible for and you know we've got to make sure the service is going right and everything so we get we get involved in all this busy work guess what god's still saving people and he says right here or right here that it's his desire that all people come to him and that they they repent and that's what he wants so are we praying that? As a church, are we praying that, that people come to know Him? Are, are we praying other things? But I just, I just want to mention this one tonight because evangelism is, is what we ought to be doing. Should we pray about this? We absolutely should pray about this and then do what? Go and do, follow what God's Word is. Go and do what we're supposed to do to be able to carry out God's Word and spread His Gospel. And then do what? Expect that He's going to do what He said He would do. I don't know, maybe, I don't know if we've got time to have just a quick prayer or not. But I just let's just do this, Kyle. We we won't play it song. Let's just stand, if you would. As as we end tonight, I just wonder if somebody tonight might be led to pray that we would be able to reach people like we should, because we know that's what that's what God wants. He wants people to come to Him. Are we doing, you see, Elijah, it didn't rain. It didn't stop raining until Elijah prayed. And it didn't start raining again until he prayed. So, is it possible, think about this, is it possible that people are not coming to Him because we're not praying for people to come to Him? Does anybody feel led to pray tonight? And pray about it.